Coming up on Studios America, Dan Andros joins us to preview the election in Virginia. Elon Musk's bid to create a new university in Texas turns out to be a boob joke. And people are very upset about that. And voters headed to the polls today in what could be a significant preview of next year's midterm elections. We've got the latest updates as we do Election Day 2021. Stu does America. Welcome to Election Day 2021. It's an off year of an off year election. So it's not as exciting maybe as the 2020 election or 2016 or 2024 or even the midterm elections of 2018 and 2022. We're in the middle. We've got a couple of races, a couple of big ones tonight, some local stuff. We'll get into a lot of it here uh, tonight as the uh, evening goes on. But I will tell you this. Virginia, which is sort of the marquee event tonight, is bunkers. <laughs> I mean, the whole situation is insane. Forget the race for governor for just a second. Let me tell you about Chris Hurst. Now, he is running for re-election as a delegate in Virginia. You might not know who Chris Hurst is, but you probably do remember the most significant and horrible moment in his life. It was back in 2015. A reporter was doing a live interview with the local chamber of commerce when right in the middle of the interview, a gunman came out of nowhere and killed the reporter and the cameraman live on the air. Do you remember this video? I mean, it was insane. It was everywhere when this went on a few years ago. The gunman had complained about racial discrimination when he had previously worked at that same TV station. So how does this relate to Virginia exactly? Well, the reporter who was killed on the air was the fiance of this guy, Chris Hurst, who's running for delegate. After all that went down, Hurst decided to run to be a delegate, and he won a couple of close elections as a Democrat. Now, the night before his latest reelection attempt, he was stopped by police after an incident where allegedly he or someone in his car was caught vandalizing the campaign signs of his opponent. This is a microcosm of an insane year in Virginia. And we are in a race for governor that honestly could go either way. This is a toss up. If I was a betting man, which I am, I would not have my money on this race. I don't know which way it's going to go. We're going to go through all the details here. But the bizarre Hearst incident seems to point to, I don't know, an increasing desperation among Virginia Democrats. They see this thing going the wrong way, maybe, and they are terrified by it. Remember, this is a state that Joe Biden won by 10 points just a year ago. And you think about what the what the mood of the country was, what the mood of the media was when you had a, a, an election victory for the Democrats in the White House. They hold the House. They hold the Senate. They win the Georgia Senate seats. Then you have January 6th that happens. It feels like once again, Democrats will never lose another election. And here we are. The the next election and they're on the verge of possibly losing it in a plus 10 state for them I and mean, that does not seem like it could have been possible just a few months ago we had a bizarre stunt from an anti-yunkin group with people dressing as white supremacists to pose with a yunkin bus as if he approved it turned out to be totally fake as we noted here when it happened there's no way this is real and we have increasingly bizarre lies coming from the democratic candidate himself this is from politico today Terry McAuliffe wanted Glenn Youngkin and Donald Trump to campaign together so badly that when it didn't happen, McAuliffe simply invented a Youngkin-Trump event that didn't exist. Guess how Glenn Youngkin is finishing his campaign, McAuliffe told a modest crowd. 
outside of Fairfax Brewery Monday night at his final rally. He is doing an event with Donald Trump here in Virginia. That was a lie. This is Politico saying this. Trump wasn't in Virginia, and he never campaigned with Youngkin, though he did make the case for the uh, GOP candidate, fantastic guy, during a brief tele-rally. So where do we stand? Where is this race? What do we know? The final polling average from 538 had uh, Glenn Youngkin up by 0.9 points. Now, that is obviously a positive sign. You want to be winning rather than losing. This is a difficult. It's kind of in the weeds on elections, but you'd rather be in the good side of it than the bad side of it. But remember, that's after two months plus of early voting where McAuliffe was leading in the polls, though it was still pretty close then as well. As the afternoon progressed, the prediction markets, which had swung initially from McAuliffe to Yunkin, started swinging again, and this time went from Yunkin to McAuliffe. If you see here on uh, this chart, by the way, Chartapalooza, conservative nerds unite, you see that uh, uh, Yunkin got to about 40, you know, 46 uh, excuse me, 56, 57 percent. And then about uh, five or six hours before the polls closed, it just dropped from 56 to about 40 percent chance of winning. Now, that does not mean anything, really. A lot of times it's just reaction to news and what people might see with early vote totals or rumors of vote totals coming out. But it is a pretty dramatic change here very, very late in the race. Now, as you're watching the results come in tonight, there's a couple of counties to look very closely at. Let's start with Loudoun County. Loudoun County obviously has a lot of attention. I want you to look at this chart here. What you see is that Loudoun County is kind of a big bellwether state or county, excuse me. Every time a Republican has won the main race that we're talking about, um, you see that it kind of swings back and forth with uh, where the the the, mo uh, the, uh, the temperature of of the race actually is. Uh, essentially, if you win in uh, Loudoun County, you're going to win the state. Usually, uh, back in the day, you had two th in 2000 and 2004, you had uh, races where George W. Bush. Uh, wound up winning. Um, 2009 was McDonald, and he won uh, in the state as well. Now, of course, Loudon has gotten been in the news quite a bit because, you know, first of all, the education sort of um, center has been there, um, and that has been a big topic of conversation. Remember, Matt Walsh uh, went uh, went there, became a Virginia resident for a short time to make a speech in Loudon County. It's where all the CRT and the gender stuff has been kind of coming down, and all the craziness over the past few months. They voted for Bush. Uh, they were they came pretty close uh, when Mitt Romney ran, ran. But, you know, when you look at the charts, you can see they did not like Donald Trump. They just were not. They, this was not a Trump flavored county. Let me look at Henrico County. This is the same sort of story. Once again, you see where Bush is running. Uh, you know, the Republicans do pretty well. Um, and, you know, even when Romney's running, it's pretty close. However, when it gets to Trump, you're talking about, you know, minus 21 in 2016 and minus 29 for Republicans in 2020. So you get the flavor of these voters. And I, I know a lot of people talk about all this stuff that went on in 2020. But like we have the results and we have to look at what they actually were. And what you saw there was not an election that Donald Trump lost because he lost big vote totals in cities. That's not what happened. What happened was. In suburban counties, they, he lost a lot of votes he had earlier. Now, you can go back and you could say, if you want to say something happened with the election, that's where it had to happen because it had to happen in those counties. So every year since 2000, uh, Henrico County has voted for, wound up, wound up being the winner. 
Now these bellwether counties are, you know, in a purplish blue state. Uh, they're kind of okay with those old school Republicans, but they were not fans of Trump at all. Did not like Trump at all. Now, since Trump became the face of the Republican Party, Republicans in Virginia have not come close. As Jim Garrity notes, Ralph Northam clobbered Gillespie in the 2017 governor's race, 54 to 45. Uh, Tim Kaine demolished Corey Stewart in the 2018 Senate race, 57 to 41. And Mark Warner won last year's Senate race, 56 to 44 percent. So it makes sense that McAuliffe was trying this. Terry McAuliffe wants to make this about a man who's not on the ballot in Virginia. Terry McAuliffe's campaign in Virginia is all about Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Trump. Donald Trump. 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 Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Trump. Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Donald Trump. 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 Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Trump. Donald Trump. 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 Donald Trump. Trump. Donald Trump. 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 Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Trump. Donald Trump. 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 Donald Trump. He keeps invoking Trump. Trump, Donald Trump, 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 Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Trump, Donald Trump, 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 Donald Trump, 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 Donald Trump, Trump, Donald Trump. Have you made this race too much about Trump? No. Trump, Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Trump, Donald Trump, 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 Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Trump, Donald Trump, 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 Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Trump, Donald Trump, 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 Donald 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 Trump, it matters what these Virginia voters, these ones, these voters that seem to vote for old school Republicans and don't like the Trump, um, the Trump reign. What do they think? Because that's where this election is going to turn. And here's the thing, like having Donald Trump as the face of your party uh, is something that hurt Republicans in Virginia. That doesn't mean that it wasn't, a, you know, he obviously was elected and they didn't need Virginia to be elected. But in these statewide races, it became a big issue for the Republican candidates there. Now, kind of framing every Republican as Donald Trump Jr. Uh, worked in previous elections because Donald Trump was everywhere all of the time. You know, Trump's greatest strength as a candidate is to grab the news cycle by the throat and control it at will. It's what he does best. And that works really, really well for Trump and really, really well for his base. And it works really, really well in red states. Unfortunately, it also works really well for the Democratic base because they get pumped up. And it also works really well for Democrats with Republicans in those suburbs. So with the Democrats trying to tie Youngkin into Trump, how did Youngkin avoid doing it? without pissing off all the millions of Trump voters at the core, at the base. It goes back to the laziness of the media. There's this old sort of paradigm back in the Trump era that was sort of uh, in force all the time with the media. Trump would treat, uh, excuse me, tweet something controversial. You know, that happened every morning. You'd wake up, what did Trump tweet? Oh, it's really, really bad. And they would tell us why it's so bad. And then the media would make it the story of the day. And then the media would then go to every Republican who was in a close race and ask them to answer for it. They had to always be responsible for whatever Trump would tweet. That would be the story. That would be the narrative. Trump said it every single day. Well, the new paradigm is a little weird because the media successfully lobbied all these tech companies to ban Trump from social media. So now Trump isn't tweeting anything anymore and the media has got nothing to do. It's the end of the news cycle. How do they frame this as a Donald Trump issue when Donald Trump isn't always the number one story every day? 
The Democrats wanted to shut Trump up so badly that they lost the fuel for their fire. They banned him from Twitter, which meant banning him from saying controversial things so that they could hang on Glenn Youngkin or any other Republican. In other words, the media hates Trump so much they are helping other Republicans remain competitive in blue states. As I said at the beginning, Virginia is bonkers. So if you had to guess how many points the average American could add to his or her credit score, what would be your guess? I think I would have said probably 10 or 15, maybe 20. Well, how about 97? It's a lot. 97 points. It's like, you know, finding free money because that is the type of thing that your credit score can do for you. Uh, it means you can get better, qu quicker approvals for loans. Maybe you you're trying to go through a, to buy a house. You need to get a quick approval. Doesn't always happen if your credit score is lower. If you're going to buy a car or a credit card, um, you're getting a credit card. Or even honestly, if you're going to apply for a job, your credit score can be a big issue about how, you know, how they see you as a person. If your credit score could use some improvement, maybe you haven't always made the absolute best choices you could make. Maybe the credit bureaus have your credit score wrong for some reason. And now you're paying for those problems. ScoreMaster could be great for you. Uh, the one thing that they have is basically this idea of plus points. How many points can you add to your credit score? Because there are certain strategies and things that you can do to make that credit score go up. Scoremaster can walk you through this entire process and it goes really quickly. It only takes about a minute to get started and if you hurry, you can try Scoremaster for free. Right now, try it for free. See how many plus points you can add to your credit score if you go to scoremaster.com slash stew. It's scoremaster.com slash stew. Make sure to use the slash stew part of the address because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Scoremaster.com slash stew. I'm happy to welcome back to the program Dan Andros, managing editor of faithwire.com. Tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern, Dan will be hosting live coverage of today's election for CBN News. You can catch it on their YouTube channel, a Facebook page, and at cbnnews.com. Dan, I, ha I hear, honestly, you have a very famous and very handsome special guest planned for tonight. Uh, yes, we do, indeed. Uh, David Brody from CBN will be... Oh, wait, no. Are you referring to... <laughs> you're also going to be there as well, yes. Yes, I will. But David Brody's going to be there. He's great, too. This coverage, yeah. you guys are covering everything going on in Virginia and around the country? Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, it's There's a lot of interesting things happening. Normally, you wouldn't be that tuned in to kind of a one year after a general election. election. It's not even a midterm. But, uh, but I think there are going to be a lot of things uh, that people take from this uh, that that will have implications going forward. Yeah, it really does seem like it, particularly in Virginia, is going to have a big effect as to what we see over not only the next year, but the next three years as we get closer uh, to the presidential race again. Can we start off here, Dan, with what's your kind of 50,000 foot view of the election in Virginia? What do you think is going to happen? I mean, it, it's looking very good for Youngkin at this point. I mean, I, if I had a guess, I just feel like there's this mode now in politics where you don't concede anything unless it's blatantly obvious that you've lost, right? <laughs> right, right. It's just, if it's even remotely close, this thing will just go on into the night. So I'm kind of foreseeing one of those situations. I know there were a few outlier polls that showed Youngkin up eight. I'm not necessarily buying that. I do think his messaging to me has been particularly effective because on the one hand, Loudoun County, Virginia, has been ground zero for these school board meetings. And people have been home for 
much of the year having to homeschool, at least a version of homeschooling their kids. So they're getting more in tune with what was happening in these schools. And it results in these parents being angry. And what does McAuliffe do? But he comes out and he says, eh, well, parents shouldn't have a say in their children's education, you know, what's being taught at the schools. And, and he stands by that. And it's kind of like, that message doesn't seem like it's going to land well with average people who have been working very hard and frustrated that their schools aren't opening, that they're having to wear masks, that they're toying around with vax mandates and all the rest at critical race theory, not even mentioning that. And so you have frustrated parents and then one candidate giving them a voice and saying, yeah, I support your rights to get this stuff out of there. And the other one saying, just sit down and shut up, basically. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. The education thing, I think, particularly on the conservative side, conservative media, has talked about that sort of specifically as it relates to CRT and the craziness that went on in, in the Loudoun County uh, school board, um, you know, back and forth. But, uh, you know, and it goes to the gender part of that as well. But really, it's, I think it's larger than that when it comes to education. You mentioned it. Parents for the first time, and I know this, you homeschool your kids, you have a real understanding as to what they're being taught. Us lazy parents who send our kids to school really have no sense in a normal year, I think. I think the average parent has a general idea whether their schools are good or bad, but they're not diving in to an everyday back and forth. Then COVID hits and they see on a daily basis, not just the crazy CRT stuff and the crazy gender stuff, but also just the, the low quality of the education, generally speaking. And in addition to that, while all this is going on and they're incredibly frustrated at, at their house, trying to figure this out, trying to get Zoom to work, doing all these things, then the teachers unions are coming out and saying, well, we don't want to go back. And if we do come back, you got to have your kid triple masked. And all of this stuff around education has built into, uh, you know, something that um, is a massive issue for parents left and right. And they see the Democratic Party and Terry McAuliffe specifically so closely aligned with these teachers unions. I don't know that there was a way for him to escape this wrath. No, I mean, but he, you would think he would at least have paid lip service to it. To me, it shows that maybe there's a beholdenness there some level of it anyway, to the unions that he feels that he can't speak out on that because it seems like with your political life on the line, you would at least try to pay lip service to that. And instead, he has spent his time, interestingly, trying to uh, basically make Yunkin, he's calling him Trumpkin, he's really trying to revive the Trump hatred and trying to stir that up. And uh, it just uh, time will tell if it's actually working or not. But they seem to be going. He seems to be going back to that well um, and repeating it often. Certain things about Trump, this Trump, that. And Young can actually ran an ad saying, uh, does Terry know that he's not running against Donald Trump? <laughs> um, so uh, that seems to be where his focus is. And I don't know that that's going to play well with the average suburban parent. Yeah. You know, it's one of the it's, it's pretty interesting thing that I think happens in these campaigns sometimes usually the most damaging like single line that that one line that defines a campaign is um standard sort of common knowledge on your side a couple of examples uh mitt romney saying 47 percent of people don't pay taxes every right. conservative talk radio listener had heard that stat 150,000 times, right? Like we all understood that 47% of people don't pay income tax. It was, it's a well-known stat. By the way, it's also true. 
Um, but it was such standard um, knowledge for us and it had never been heard by the left and many moderates that it became a shocking thing. The same thing, I think, with the deplorables line from Hillary Clinton, where like among the left, they viewed Trump voters as racist KKK members. Right. They viewed them as such horrible cretins of society. And it was in their common parlance. Anyone who would support this guy, obviously, they're a racist. They're deplorable. So she comes out and says it and she's shocked by the backlash. I think the same thing happens here with Terry McAuliffe, because he says the thing that liberals say to each other all the time. I don't want it's our job. Uh, it takes a village, but it's our job to educate the kids. It's not the parents. What do the parents have to do with this? This is our, we're the experts here. We're the teachers. We're the experts. And that, that sort of like is an institutionalized belief on the left. And I think when he said it, he thought he'd have a huge support. And, and man, he found the opposite to be true. Yeah. And I think it's one of those visceral things that parents, parental rights and your rights over your own child, is something that I think parents on the left and the right you know, sans the far left activists that you're kind of alluding to there, that they that's commonplace for them, that that they think the institutions really have the ultimate say. Most people, the average person, especially the apolitical person, definitely think that they have. That's why they're showing up to these school board meetings. Um, and, and so I think that when you have something as visceral and as personal as a family and the parent relationship with a child and the control they have over their children's education, I think it's a big misstep. Uh, we'll see. We'll see if it plays out uh, in Virginia, because the other interesting fact about Virginia is that they pretty much go the opposite with how the presidential race goes. They're always one year. You know, they have the four year terms, but it's always about a year after um, the the presidential election. And every year, uh, with the exception of McAuliffe with uh, Obama, every year it's been the opposite. So when the when the Democrat wins, a Republican wins governor, when the uh, Republican wins president, the Democrat wins governor. McAuliffe's the only one who's broken that cycle. So if that trend were to hold, it looks like, you know, Youngkin, it should be favorable for him, you know, in addition to all the things we're mentioning there. But uh, but McAuliffe is the only one that broke that or broke that string. But maybe that had more to do with Obama at the time. Yeah, I can't. I, I, you know, he just seems like such a terrible candidate. I've heard <laughs> even Republicans talk about this guy like in person. He's really funny. He's enjoyable to be around. I don't see it at all. I mean, for him as a candidate, he does not seem to be uh, particularly well um, a, a, it doesn't seem like a good fit to be a candidate. He seems like the type of guy you'd have as your like, you know, campaign manager. He, he doesn't. Well, seem that's to have what any, he did. Yeah, yeah, that's what he did. He was a DNC, I guess, chair, some big prominent position. Yeah. I forget exactly what his title was, but but he, in the Democratic National Party. So that is what he did, and it seems like he kind of. It's like, hey, thank you for your service. You can be governor now. It's it's kind of one of those deals. That's what it feels like. It doesn't feel like he's this dynamic candidate that everyone's saying, like, we need to get you out there. It feels more like uh, it feels more like it's almost like it's owed to him. And so uh, they give it they, they gave him that chance to go after that. Um, the other interesting things, too, to watch out for is the early voting. It's going to be interesting to see um, exactly how well Democrats did on that. We know that traditionally that's kind of the way they've been going, you know, recently focusing on that. And so there was a substantial amount of Virginians that voted at least 667,000 submitted early ballots. And 55% um, of those are likely Democratic voters. So um, and then the other interesting factor with that is how well did he get the people to come out early? 
And today was apparently not a good weather day across much of Virginia. So who's motivated to get out there? Cold, rainy. Yeah, like, are you you're really feeling like you need to trudge the kids out there and, <laughs> you know, get out to the polls, you know, for McAuliffe? I, I don't know. I mean, maybe they do. But um, those factors are at play. So it'll be interesting to see how it all unfolds. And I will say this is part of uh, of a risky strategy for Republicans in that, you know, Republicans put so much weight now on Election Day voting. And I think, you know, Republicans correctly point out a lot of issues with mail uh, mail in voting and early voting. You know, for example, the comment we've been talking about here didn't happen until 11 days after early voting started. Yeah. McAuliffe hadn't even said it yet. So, like, that's something that turns the race and 11 days of voting happened before it even occurred. And so early voting is problematic in a lot of ways. On the other hand, telling people not to early vote that are your voters is not helpful because if you have something like a bad weather day or something, you know, some big thing happens, you know, you might lose those voters. And the other part of it is. When you have early voters, you have them vote and then you lock them in. You no longer have to spend any resources to get them out to the polls with people voting the last, you know, at the last minute like that. I mean, it's the normal way people used to do it, but it's harder to guarantee they're there. You have to spend resources on them that entire season. So Democrats have that advantage. It's sort of built in. And Republicans seem to be saying, you know, don't even bother with that. It's it's too it's it's shady. There's fraud that's possible. And that tactic, I think, has burned them before and it could burn them again. Yeah, I think you're 100 percent right. I think there maybe needs to be a a bigger issue after, you know, the election season, not not to have, you know, in October or November um, about what are the actual rules we should settle on here for elections? Because on the one hand, it's like you said, there's, of course, potential for fraud. But beyond that, just it comes down to when you can sit there. And I, th- I think it was sometime in mid-September when when the voting sort of opened up mid or late September. And it just comes down to who's better at going out there and being a high pressure salesman who can go out there and close the deal and get someone to put it, put a ballot in the, you know, in the envelope uh, right then and there. And so I, you know, to me, it just becomes a game of salesmanship after that. And who can be the car salesman that's trying to make you walk out with a car instead of uh, just thinking about it. Um, And I don't really think that's how elections should go. I don't think that's the, uh, the way that it was intended when it was set up. If you want to vote for somebody, you need to get your butt out there. They have provisions in place if you have to work or something else called mm-hmm. absentee that's been around forever. Like, what? why are we sitting there dragging these votes out for two months? Um, you know, personally not a fan of it. So, but I, but I think maybe, um, you know, while it's being allowed, to your point, Republicans, probably it's not a great strategy to, to tell people it's fraught with problems and then just hope everyone shows up while the other side is sitting there you know, gathering up votes for months at a time. Yeah, banking votes and banking votes and banking votes. I'm with you too. Like one of the dumb clauses out there is some of these states can't start counting the votes or even get them really ready to count until the election day is over. And it's like, well, you know, I get this done. It's the second the polls close, we should basically know what the early vote yeah. was. And some states do it that way, but many others don't. Uh, Dan, we're going to leave it there. We do have um, yeah. more coming up tonight. Of course, faithwire.com uh, is, is where Dan is from. But CBN News' YouTube uh, channel and Facebook channel uh, are going to have uh, the coverage uh, tonight. CBNnews.com, 8 p.m. Eastern. Tonight starts Dan's special election coverage. And keep an eye out for a handsome 
handsome guy, probably drinking a Diet Dr. Pepper uh, on the air. It's going to be great, and I think you'll enjoy it. Dan, thanks so much for coming on. All right, thank you. So some new satellite images appear to show China is making significant progress developing missile silos that could eventually launch nuclear weapons. That's a positive development, wouldn't you say? Good for China. Congratulations. I'm glad they're coming through with promises of nuclear weapons. It's interesting how this is happening. This is an unprecedented nuclear buildup, they believe at least, uh, what, you know, what the intelligence is telling them. Uh, obviously these satellite photos give you some sense, though we've seen in the past, we don't always understand exactly what's going on with satellite photos. Uh, ask uh, the, the poor guy who was like delivering a laptop to his boss and then wound up getting bombed in, in, uh, in Afghanistan. Uh, remember Iraq, of course, uh, Colin Powell just passed away. You remember uh, his big speech before the UN. We don't, always, we don't always know exactly what's going on from satellite photos, but that is what they believe is going on. And it does feel like we are in a real escalation with China. I really do think that this is going to get ugly. And you might say, well, hasn't it already? <laughs> it's like we're obviously at odds. We've had this huge trade war that's been going on for a long time. We have the COVID situation, the back and forth related to that. The economic uh, back and forth has been a real problem. And, you know, what do you mean? Could it get ugly? I think it get a lot worse than that. You know, I think it can get a lot worse uh, than this. We, we could really get to a point where we're outwardly fighting, hopefully not in a, a complete war, but there's a lot going on. And obviously we've seen the cyber attacks and all these other things as well. Uh, Yahoo is now pulling out of China. Now, I don't know, maybe you didn't even know Yahoo still existed, but it does. And it is around the world. It's not as big as some of its competitors, but it's still around and it's not going to be around anymore in China. This is uh, several companies have now done this type of thing. Microsoft's LinkedIn social network announced last month it would leave China because of a significantly more challenging operating environment and greater compliance requirements in China. You know, one of the theories behind what we've done over the past 20 or 30 years was to say, hey, look, if we bring kind of China into more of the uh, normalized economy where they can trade and they can do more things, hopefully they'll turn and, and, uh, and become a better nation, essentially. We will get more out of them. Their government will be more respectful to the world. Obviously, we've seen now it seemed to be working for a while, but this uh, the, the latest um, President Xi sort of transition has really made them outwardly more aggressive. And we see not only a military buildup, but they are now you know, outwardly threatening Taiwan. They've basically taken over Hong Kong. Uh, all of this is going on as we sort of sit back and try to figure out what are we supposed to do? And we have a president that says, what are we supposed to do when he sees a fork? So it's hard to like understand how exactly this is going to come together in a competent way. But Yahoo is now pulling out of there. And if you believe the idea that integrating China into a cap more capitalist environment was going to help the situation, you could see the companies that were there are saying, OK, this is no longer workable. It's happening over and over and over and over again. Um, and uh, it's getting uglier and uglier and uglier. And I think it's going to continue to get uglier. Um, Speaking of, of Biden's foreign policy and how it can get uglier, <laughs> you know, he's in Scotland for this whole global warming thing and his motorcade is going down the street and it's, you know, just puttering down in front of all these houses. And all of a sudden, some of the reporters look up at the window and you get this headline, Biden motorcade 
reportedly flashed by large naked Scottish man. Hey, now, I don't know exactly what happened. It seemed like the guy walked up to his window and started taking pictures of the motorcade. Maybe he was just kind of hanging around naked and decided, oh my gosh, there's a motorcade going by. I better grab my phone and take some pictures. Well, we don't know if he was actually flashing or he just happens to be a large naked Scottish man who was standing in front of a window and you can see through windows. It's just kind of the way windows work. So we don't know and we do not know if Joe Biden saw the large naked Scottish man. The good news is there's about an 80% chance Biden was asleep because it was like 3 p.m. So how could he possibly still be awake after all of that time? If we hear any updates as to whether Joe Biden saw this large naked Scottish man, we'll give them to you. If you're trying to buy or sell a home in times like these, you know it could be challenging. Uh, you need a real estate agent that you can trust to take charge of these situations. One of the biggest things that they can do, someone who really knows the market, really understands the area, really knows what position you're in with your house and knows how to price it, is they can help walk you through all of those things to get prepared. I have relatives uh, who wanted to move from their house and they just kept saying, you know, well, this is broken. I got to fix this and then I got to fix that and then I got to fix this and then I got to fix that. And it's like, just sell the thing. Why are you going to go through all that work just to get rid of a house? If you wanted to do all that work and live in a house, that might make sense. But, you know, I understand it because you don't you want to get the best price possible. A real estate agent who really understands what they're what they're doing can say, hey, you got five repairs here. Only do those two. Those two will pay for themselves. The other three, just wait. Just don't even bother with it. The name says it all. Realestateagentsitrust.com. You need someone that you can trust when you're in the middle of doing the biggest financial transaction of your life. Realestateagentsitrust.com is a place to go to find that person no matter where you are in the country. Realestateagentsitrust.com. So here in Dallas, hundreds of people showed up uh, Dealey, at Dealey Plaza to see if JFK Jr. was going to show up. Now, you might say that sounds a bit insane, but you don't know the truth about the matter. You don't know the background. I will say I didn't know the background either. Apparently, in the QAnon world, and I think about the QAnon thing that, you know, it was big during the Trump era. Obviously, they kind of predicted that Trump would be reinstated as president. Didn't wind up uh, happening, as, uh, as you may have noticed. Um, but that, so that really shook a lot of the kind of QAnon people who were, you know, there's a lot of people who just like look at this stuff. They don't necessarily, you know, they, they might believe it or believe parts of it. Might believe, uh, you know, just maybe just be hoping against hope that, that Trump would get back in. And then when it didn't happen, you know, a lot of people kind of flaked off from that uh, sort of movement. The people who remain, however, are really dedicated, right? These guys are like constantly predicting that Donald Trump is going to be reinstated into the White House. And so apparently there's an offshoot of this. And I wouldn't say it's even mainstream QAnon, but there's an offshoot of QAnon that apparently believes somehow that JFK Jr. is still alive and he is going to come to Dealey Plaza tonight or today and... They, he was going to reappear, prove that he was alive, and then uh, become Donald Trump's vice president 
they would be re they would be put into the White House. Then Donald Trump would step down and make JFK Jr. the president. I don't I, it's it's a it's a tad out there, guys. In fact, even Q uh, actually said that JFK Jr. is not alive. It doesn't matter. They, people are still there and hundreds showed up. Now, I don't know how many people are there just because I mean, I kind of wanted to go. I thought it'd be funny to kind of check it out. <laughs> you know, I don't know how many people were there as a goof, how many people thought it was uh, was uh, was really going to happen. Uh, but it unfortunately did not happen. <laughs> this is breaking news. JFK Jr. did not show up. I don't know if it was an issue with his flight. I don't know what happened, but apparently he did not show up. Elon Musk is in a little bit of trouble. He apparently tweeted something. We actually mentioned it the other day. Uh, he was talking about potentially starting a university in Texas, and we mentioned it uh, offhand. Uh, apparently now he's in trouble, though, because here's his here's his uh, his tweet. I am uh, I'm thinking of starting a new university, Texas Institute of Technology and Science. And someone pointed out that, uh, hey, you should put science uh, first because, you know, science always leads to the technology. Right. And he said, no, the T has to remain first. Why? Because like if you type what is it when you type 80085 into the. Is it that right? Is that right? I got to have that right. Anyway, you turn the calculator upside down. It says boobs. He was just making a boobs joke. If you look at the acronym, Texas Institute of Technology and Science. Well, that this article comes out in one tweet. Elon Musk captures the everyday sexism faced by women in, in STEM. Come on. He made a boob joke. It's not a it's not a. It's not a commentary on every problem that a woman has ever had in technology and science. That's not what it was. It was a boob joke. Can we get over ourselves? Nobody, nobody can just enjoy themselves and laugh a little bit. It's just impossible. People just can't do it. Everything has to be so freaking serious all the time. It really is irritating. Now, for some reason, uh, this Colin Kaepernick special is not being laughed at. I mean, it's being laughed at by me. I, now, of course, I'm the guy who uh, brought you, of course, a Colin Kaepernick T-shirt of some note. Um, the Colin Kaepernick T-shirt, which uh, very clearly says basically that Colin Kaepernick, um, before he ever took a knee, Colin Kaepernick uh, was, uh, he lost his job to Blaine Gabbard. I don't know what, we don't have the T-shirt apparently available but to show you, but it is, uh, it's there. Uh, StuDoesMerch.com, something to pick up. There we go. Always remember, before Colin Kaepernick took a knee, he lost his job to Blaine Gabbert. And that's true, by the way. I'm not making that up. So for all the people who says, oh, he lost his job because he took a knee. No, he lost his job before he took a knee to Blaine Gabbert. Well, you know, Blaine Gabbert doesn't have any Netflix specials coming up that I know of. For some reason, Colin Kaepernick, who lost his job to Blaine Gabbert, that guy gets the Netflix special. And I can't. There's so many ways to go with this. We have to do a monologue on this later this week, but. Let me just give you a sampling of the special because people are making fun of the point he's making there, and we can do that too. But just look how terrible this show is. Watch. Potential players are paraded out in front of scouts, coaches, and owners who measure their physical talent and on-field abilities. Coaches will tell you they're looking for warriors, killers, beasts. They say they want you to be an animal out there. And you want to give them that. But let me tell you something. What they don't want you to understand is what's being established is a power dynamic. 
This is so bad, I can't even believe that it's actually made. Before they put you on the field, teams poke, pride, and examine you, searching for any defect that might affect your performance. Yeah. No boundary respected. Right. Nope. No dignity nope. left intact. Definitely not. Come on, boy, hurry up. Look at that shape there. Look at this. Just like slavery. Mr. Farber, I got your bid. 30, James, this is unbearable. So, next one coming up, best one we got. This is, it's, it's legitimately the Look most embarrassing thing I've ever Come seen. Come on, what's this? All right, that's enough. We got it. He, he thinks uh, being a multimillionaire football player is like slavery. Um, you know, obviously Colin Kaepernick's an idiot. Obviously, he doesn't seem to be able to read. I mean, he's, he, he, I'm, have you ever seen anyone with a less convincing narration uh, than you just saw? What's funny about this is the reason why I kept saying, yeah, yeah, no, no dignity, uh, absolutely true, uh, is because of the picture they show of Tom Brady every year where the poor guy, he looks like he's like a, you know, a nerdy, like, uh, you know, uh, video game player with no muscle tone in his underwear from like, you know, when he was first being drafted. And, you know, the point here is that they don't, this isn't a black thing. Tom Brady has the most embarrassing photo. At least Colin Kaepernick probably looks good without his shirt on. Tom Brady looks like me. It's the worst thing in the world. I, it's like, I, I can't. I mean, again, Tom Brady looks a lot better than me now, but back then he looked like me. The point is that the, slavery and NFL stardom do not have a lot in common. This is not something I need to have any more evidence than just to say the sentence I just said. That's all the evidence you'll need. I will say Babylon B did add to this a little bit. And again, I said, why don't we just laugh about things? Do we have to get offended about everything? Everyone's offended over this as well. Kaepernick sad that no slave owner will enslave him no matter how many times he tries out to be a slave. I mean, that's it's unfortunate, but uh, I feel bad for him. Do you feel bad for Colin Kaepernick? If you do, stewdoesmerge.com. Get your Kaepernick gear right now. Not too far from now, we're past Halloween already, Santa Claus will be coming down your chimney and he will want to give you the greatest in merchandise options. And I will say this, he also wants to make sure you're absolutely woke. He wants to make sure you have the CRT touch. He wants you to have Christmas re-education training. And that's right, we have a CRT Santa available now. You can get it, it says, he knows when you aren't sleeping, he knows when you aren't woke. And it says, CRT, Christmas Reeducation Training. You can go to ChristmasReeducationTraining.com to get loaded up on your gear for Christmas. Get it while Joe Biden's deliveries are still going on because, as you know, we can't get anything off of ships. So I don't know. I don't know how you're going to get it, but get it early. Get it early. Prepare for Christmas this year. Okay, so here's what happened. There's a guy who's a coach for the Texas, a special teams coach, and Word kind of leaks out that maybe, maybe on Halloween, a monkey that lives at his house bit a child. I mean, that just, it didn't seem like it could be true, but apparently this guy has a girlfriend who's an ex-stripper named Pole Assassin who has a monkey for her act that she still has. And somehow the kid went through a haunted house. There's the monkey, there's the stripper. Went through, the, went through a haunted house 
and somehow got back to the monkey cage and did actually get bit. So the story, while seeming implausible at first, was actually true. And I will say, uh, the segment is called OK, So Here's What Happened, but I have absolutely no idea what actually happened there.